This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Okay. Hi, honey. How was your day? Good. Mine, that was, yeah, you know, oh, that will never fly. He's going to know. He says he sees it in my eyes. Maybe I'll just not look at him. Hey, hon, <laughs> how was your day? You d- oh, oh, how on earth am I going to tell you? Honey, I was let go today. Pink slipped, canned, kicked out, booted, trashed, fired. You know, no matter what you call it, it boils down to one thing. Failure. The big F. That's me. Oh, oh. Oh, I know. You're just going to look at me and try to understand and say, hey, everything is going to be okay. But how can things ever be okay? Oh, man, you remember when you hated it when your sister called me a yuppie? (laughs) The word now is yuffy, young, urban failure. How do you like that? I'm going to wake up the whole neighborhood Wake up the kids. Oh, the kids. How am I going to tell them? Sorry, Jamie. You know, just forget about those braces. Just get used to your teeth the way they are. And Jim, (laughs) why don't we just postpone the cruise we've been planning all these years? I know it was for for our 15th anniversary and all, but let's just postpone that too. Oh... How could I, how could I do this? How could I let this happen? You know, all I had was one little assignment, one job, an interview, a small few words with the chief prosecuting attorney (laughs) as he came out of the courthouse. (laughs) But you know, we didn't know where he was going to come out. So Hennessy watched the front And I watched the side door. (laughs) It was my opportunity. What I've been waiting for. If Hennessy liked it, I would have been pushed up to the number two spot. (laughs) As we were standing there waiting, we saw her. (laughs) A meter maid. Inching along, slapping those tickets on the windows as she went. (laughs) Her timing was just perfect. My two hours had just run out. But you know, I couldn't leave my post. None of us could. We've been waiting there for hours. So we just looked at her and decided we'll put another $20 bill in the city hall tab and and ignored her. But then, then it happened. I'm sure he didn't even see her. He ran straight into her. That boy on the scooter, 
He must have been really scared because he took off as if nothing happened. <laughs> we, we all heard her scream, but nobody, nobody budged. Me? I was at the door. I've been standing there for hours, but I broke through the crowd and I ran to her. I found her more embarrassed than hurt. Her slip was showing and her knee and elbow were bleeding and her ticket book was blowing in the wind. And as I was helping her up and getting the ticket book together, I looked up and everybody's eyes were on us. And the next moment, the door swung open and all I heard was the clacking of microphones and I just saw the tippy top of the chief prosecutor's head. My heart just sank because those reporters just got what I had to get, the scoop. <laughs> the meter maid, ah, she's good, lost a little blood, lost a little pride. Me, I lost everything. I could have slipped a few bills to one of the reporters. Yeah, a few words, build a whole story around it. They all do it. Then Hennessy wouldn't have cussed at me and wouldn't have slammed the office door because there's no story. I told him, Hennessy, I'm sorry. I know it meant a lot to you. I should have said, Hennessy, I'm sorry, but I did the right thing. <laughs> you know, oh, I don't even know if she said thank you, but I saw it. I saw it in her eyes, in the tears. Yeah, I did the right thing. Oh, <sighs> but Father, why is doing the right thing? thing, sometimes so hard. <clears throat> That's a pretty important question. Why is doing the right thing sometimes so difficult? It's a question we're certainly going to explore this morning. And um, so I invite you along for the journey in this uh, new series called Reality Check. And I understand Bob painted a beautiful picture of my reality last Sunday. I heard about that. And yes, indeed, we were in San Diego having a great time. It was great to get away and relax. It's also great to be back. And... Uh, uh, I pulled up the podcast this morning and listened to what Kevin had to say to you, and uh, I didn't go to sleep in that message. So, there you go. And if you were here, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so, no, it was a, a, a wonderful message with a very, very clear reality that uh, we've been called to. And uh, so, welcome aboard this morning uh, to all of you, and I want to say uh, a special Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers. Um, I too am a father and I've told people, many, many people, uh, many times in life, of all the things that I've ever done in life, including everything I've ever done in ministry, by far the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in life is be a father to my three children. And uh, there's no exaggeration in that. 
I still look at that as, as the greatest thing that God's ever enabled me to do in life. And um, <clears throat> every time I see one of them, or all three of them, it uh, reminds me of how blessed, totally blessed I am to be a father. And uh, uh, so for all of you who are fathers, um, very special message for you today. And not just here right now, but the whole context of the message this morning, we're gonna, I want to give to you in, in the context of fatherhood. So um, why don't you um, take your program, pull out the notes from your program, and, um, and follow along. Doing the right thing. That's not just for fathers, but I can tell you that for fathers, it's got some very, very special um, applications. Doing the right thing. Your child cries and it's the middle of the night and your wife has already been up three times. It's pretty easy to say, she's already had her sleep interrupted, I'll stay right here. Doing the right thing. Oftentimes in life, the right thing requires a lot more effort right now than doing the thing that while it might not be wrong, still isn't the best. And we all come up in those situations in life where we have to choose between what's right and what's best and what's kind of not so best, but nevertheless, we feel like we could defend it or sometimes choosing between what is absolutely right and what's absolutely wrong. And if we're not up to the task, and we're not properly prepared to make that decision, we find ourselves making that decision in the wrong way. Choosing the path that takes less effort right now, choosing the path that is less inconvenient right now, choosing the path that we think is a shortcut between where we are and where we'd like to be or think we'd like to be, It's sort of like cutting a deal where I know this is what I should do, but if I do this, very few people, if any, are actually going to know about it. Plus, I like that because it appeals to me. Yeah. It's a very interesting tension that we walk in in life. Paul writes about it in the book of Romans and says, you know, what I want to do right I find myself tempted to do what's wrong. And that's the battle we all live in. I wish I could say something for you this morning that would take that battle away, but I can't. It's part of life on this earth. I can say something to you, however, that if you'll embrace in your life, will give you the power to make that choice right. And to make that choice right consistently. So we talk about reality checks. We talk about fathers. Let me say this about fathers. I think sometimes we do dads an injustice. On Mother's Day, we get all the mothers to come to church and we tell everybody how wonderful mothers are, right? And God bless every mother, all right? But on Father's Day, we get all the dads to come to church and we tell them they need to step up to the plate and act like a guy. Get in there and do their job. Somehow, that didn't seem exactly right to me. I don't want to take away anything 
from any of you mothers. God knows that uh, you've earned every bit of praise that you get. But this morning, I just feel like God wants us to tap into something that he put deep in the soul and in the spirit of every guy. And I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear what God has to say. Because as if you study history, if you study the pages of Scripture, you're going to come to a conclusion about guys. And, and here's what it is. And I'm going to say it in the context of dads. But the first principle I want to teach you is this. God created dads to be warriors with a cause. Yeah. You'll notice I'm wearing a shirt this morning that has Fox Sports Network on it, right? Bay Area. You know why? Because if we don't have a really decent cause, well, we'll just get involved in sports then, right? Yeah, well, I want to talk to you a little bit about that a little bit later on. Guys are born warriors. Now, you find it all the way through Scripture. Take a look at what the prophet Nehemiah said to the guys of his day. He said, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You know, every time God gives that word fight in a positive sense, He gives it to guys. Because there's something in guys that we love to get a cause and jump in. As one guy said to me one time when I invited him into ministry, he said, I'm the kind of guy that jumps in four feet and a tail. And that's just the way guys are. We love to find a cause and get wholeheartedly devoted to it, even if it consumes all of our lives. It's what we find meaning and significance and fulfillment in. Now, if you fast forward a few hundred years from Nehemiah, you get to the life of Jesus, who himself was a man. And take a look at what the Bible says that Jesus did here in John chapter 12. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle and sheep and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. And Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. Wouldn't you love to have been in the temple at that point watching that? I don't have time to, to point, paint out the, the historical significance of this, but he drove out the sheep and the cattle and he scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures and I want you to underline it, okay? Passion for God's house will consume me. I'll tell you when guys are at their best. Guys are at their best when they get passionate about something that's selfless and it consumes them. That's, you never get anything better out of a guy than that. Find a cause that's a selfless cause that he feels like he can give his life to and watch him burn up in that cause. That's how Jesus did it. And you know, I, you know, in spite of our previous infomercial about Mandels, I'm guessing they won't ever get it done. It's that selfless cause. It's in history. It's in the Bible. It's in our movies. 
You know, there's kind of two kinds of movies. Chick flicks, right? And guy movies. And most of you don't ever get those confused, right? You know what a chick flick is? And you know what a guy movie is. And when you watch a guy movie, the women all go, why do you guys watch that stuff? And the guys watch that stuff and they go, yeah, I can get involved in that. Take a look. We got a little clip here from Braveheart. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to train all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives? But they'll never take our freedom! You understand what I'm talking about? It's the same thing in guys that causes them to paint their faces orange if they're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. And believe me, that takes a lot of faith, okay? If you follow the football, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, guys love to get involved in a cause. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about that that cause. Because there's a cause that God has given you. Now, the interesting thing about guys is if you don't give them a decent cause, they'll find one that's far less worthy. You know, they'll, they'll find something that's far less worthy of their lives. But guys are going to give their lives to something. And in many cases, they're going to give their lives sacrificially to something. Jesus says, I've got that something. You see, God wired us up, guys, to be people who are fully devoted to a cause. Every once in a while, God brings someone on the horizon, or maybe not necessarily God, but someone comes on the horizon of human history and taps into that, either for the good or for the bad, and guys all across the world or all across the country join in that cause, whatever it may be, and they give themselves wholeheartedly to it. There is only one cause that's actually worthy of all of our lives. And Jesus talks to us about that in no uncertain terms. And that's our core Bible teaching this morning. And I want to I read it to you, and we're going we're gonna to take it in four blocks. And so the first block is here. One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. 
Only his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. And then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah sent from God. And Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. There were some other reasons behind that. Not that he wanted to necessarily do that in secret, but uh, here's one of the reasons. If the people actually figured out he was the Messiah of God, they wouldn't have killed him and he would not have been able to give his life as a sacrifice. So he said the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. Wow. On the third day, he will be raised from the dead. This was the mission that, that motivated Jesus to get up off of the throne of heaven, to set aside his heavenly body, and to take on the body of a human being, and to come down and walk the dusty roads of our planet. It was what motivated him to leave heaven and come to earth. It was his mission, and even from the very birth, from that very first day in Bethlehem, Jesus knew Calvary was coming. It was why he came. It was his ultimate purpose, and he put everything he had into it. He mortgaged heaven. He mortgaged his own earthly life. He took virtually every day of his life on this earth, and he gave it away to other people. I love what Kevin said to you last week. After weeks of long hours and long toil, and Jesus saying to his apostles, let's go away for a little rest, and let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. By the way, that was not a small jaunt. It's about four miles across the Sea of Galilee where they crossed. For those of you who are into um, mathematics, the Sea of Galilee is relatively round, you remember that old formula, circumference equals pi times diameter. So it's about, about three times. So if he's going four miles across, it's 12 miles around. They went halfway around. They ran six miles to catch up to Jesus. When they got to the other side, there was about ten to 15,000 people waiting for them. And I think Kevin's right. <laughs> the apostles are going, oh, no. Not them. And Jesus is going, oh, yes, that's why I came. Yeah. Was his mission. He gave himself fully to it, even to the point that sometimes he had no time to eat. He gave himself fully to it. Why? Because he found in his mission what you and I will find when we get fully involved in our mission he found significance and meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction. And so Jesus clearly laid out, this is my mission and this is its cost. I must suffer terrible things. I'm going to be killed and I will be raised. That's his mission and his cost. 
And in, in Jesus' cause and its mission, there it is. That's principle number one. Now, the second part of our passage gets into where we get involved. So let's take a look at the next couple of verses. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your... What's that next word? Can you say that a little louder, please? Take up your... Okay. Daily and follow me. Now, there's so many important words in that. First of all, he says, you must turn from your selfish ways. What's Jesus indicating that our default setting is as human beings? It's to be selfish, isn't it? You don't have to look at very many guys to figure that out. We belch at the table even though no one likes that. I don't do that, okay? Just so you know. (laughs) My wife would go, why did you say that? But guys do things that are selfish. We get home, hand me my paper, bring me my Coke, bring me my coffee. I'm going to sit in my chair. And the kids are running around the house driving our wives crazy. But we have our own little solitude right there in our recliner. It's easy for us to be selfish. We all have that in us. Jesus said, now you have to turn from your naturally selfish ways. By the way, it's guy's nature to get fully involved in a cause. And when we get selfish, we can be really selfish. Fully devoted to that cause. That was a very high-pitched laugh there. But that's very true, all right? Now he goes on to say, you must take up your cross. Now... I wish there was a way I could convey to you the full meaning of the word cross. Because Jesus so blessed the world by what He did on the cross, He transformed the cross from being a thing of absolute horror to making it a piece of jewelry that we wear. So it doesn't carry to us the meaning that it carried to the people that Jesus spoke those words to. When he said, take up your cross, he was talking about an instrument of unbelievable cruelty and punishment and death. And he said, I want you to take it up. Can I tell you nothing that Jesus could say would ever be more revolting to the human spirits of the people sitting there and listening than that? It was... To them, unthinkable. And then he added the word daily. That's a really important word because it tells us how often we have to make this decision every day. And then he said, and follow me. So principle number two is this. Jesus invites us to join his cause. You know, there's a message on virtually every page of Scripture that Somewhere in here, we kind of know is true, but boy, do we struggle to get it to the front of our minds and into our hearts. And yet, we find it on almost every page of Scripture, and my mind goes back to another guy movie, Gladiator. Maximus says these words, and if you don't believe me, go go rent the movie and watch it, because he does. He says this, gentlemen... What we do in life echoes in eternity. Did you know that's true? 
I stood back here um, in a room shortly before church began this morning, and I stood in a circle of people, and, and we prayed. And I thought as we were praying, I wonder if the people in this circle understand that what they're about to do echoes in eternity. I wonder if you and I grasp that. That what I do with today, June 21st, 2009, the choices that I make, what I decide to do, whether selfish or unselfish, have ramifications in eternity. What I do in life echoes in eternity. I suppose if there's any message that I'd want to get across to everyone in our audience today, it it would be this. If you could just live today in the light of eternity and never live a single day of the rest of your life outside the context of eternity. That's the central and ultimate message of the Bible, which is why Jesus is so important, which is why heaven is so important. All the rest of it hangs or falls on that one thought and concept. And God wants you to know what you do today does echo in eternity. That is the central reality of Scripture. Not just negatively, but certainly positively. Let's go on and look at at, uh, section number three. Jesus said, now if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give give up your life for my sake, you will find it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? If you've been around church very much, I know you've heard that passage several times. It's one of Jesus' more famous passages. But boy, that's a very interesting choice that he lays out before us. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. I want you to just write in the margin somewhere, selfish versus unselfish. And here's what Jesus is saying. He says, if you, in, the more selfish the cause that you invest in, the less alive you will really feel. And the more unselfish the cause that you invest in, the more alive you will really feel and the more living you will really do. That's a basic principle of life. But can I tell you, it runs counter to our intuitive nature. Now, all you have to do is open up your eyes and look through history, and you will find the people who have consistently invested their lives in unselfish causes are the people who have strength that no one else can believe that they have, and they have fortitude and courage that people find uh, truly amazing and, and inspiring. These are the people who have invested their lives in unselfish causes, and the people who have consistently invested their lives in selfish causes, inevitably their lives get smaller and smaller, and they get more and more miserable. That's the great dilemma in life. It is our nature to be selfish, but it's also our nature to end up unhappy. And if we will learn to lay down our lives for an unselfish cause, and Jesus is saying, there is no greater cause than the cause that I have, and that is the salvation of the entire human race and eternity in the paradise of God. The stakes don't get any higher or bigger or greater or, or more long-lasting than those. And Jesus says, I invite you to get on board. 
You see, what Jesus is really saying, principle number three, is what his cause will do in our lives. If we, if we get heavily vested in his cause, it just brings out the best in human nature. But if we invest in selfish causes, inevitably we find diminishing satisfaction. It's why every selfish habit that you know of or that I know of, every addictive habit that you know of or I know of, you start out getting satisfaction with small doses of it, but what do you have to do in order to get that same satisfaction six months from now? You've got to take more. You've got to take more. And you've got to take more. As that addictive habit begins to put its, it, its uh, bondage around you. And by the way, that's not just true of, of addictive behavior. It's true of every sin. It's true of every selfish thing. It's often been noted that the difference between men and boys is the, what's the rest of that? Price of their toy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first start being selfish, a $10 toy will get you a lot of satisfaction. Okay? There aren't too many guys here in our audience today that are going to go home and for Father's Day open a $10 present and think, oh my goodness, my life is worth living now. Yeah. It's that unselfish cause. How does Jesus wrap this all up? Take a look at number four. Number four says in the, in the fourth part, if anyone is ashamed of me in my message... The Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when He returns in His glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they say the kingdom of God. You know what I wrote in my notes? Three simple words. Jesus said, no middle ground. I grew up in Iowa, and one of the blessings of growing up in Iowa is you get lots of snow. Okay? Okay? And so as a kid, I grew up watching snow plows. And one of the things that I noticed about a snow plow, it's, it's on the front of a truck or, 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 or some other uh, big piece of machinery. And when they lower that blade down in the snow and they start moving forward, that it takes the snowflakes in front of them and every snowflake goes either right or left. But there's no middle ground left. It's either right or left. As I was thinking and praying about this passage, I realized that Jesus is the snowplow of the human race. The ultimate question is, on what what side of Jesus are you going to fall? Do you get in alignment with His cause and find fulfillment and satisfaction and invest your life in something as a guy and become a warrior for Jesus and understand that that's a cause worthy of your entire life? Do you get fully on board with Him? Or as Jesus said it here, are you ashamed of me and my message? Oh, I'll go to church once in a while and I'll put a few nickels and dimes in, but I'm certainly not getting involved in that cause. Here's we close. I just want to give a challenge. And you can just close your notes because I'm not going to say anything. You probably want to take notes on for the next four or five minutes, but I want you to listen. I love guys. I like to hang out with guys. 
I like to golf with guys. I like to watch sports with guys. I like to go on road trips with guys. I like being around guys. That's, for me, that's just fun. But as I watch the guys of our culture and the guys of our world, and oftentimes, sadly, even the guys of our church, I see guys that are fully devoted to causes. Some of you guys are sports enthusiasts and you have just wrapped up the basketball season and the hockey season. And if you're a Lakers fan or a Penguins fan, uh, somehow you have deemed that your life is now more worth living because your teams have just won. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm I'm a long-standing Pittsburgh Steelers fan, right? I have a Pittsburgh Steelers t-shirt at home. And when the Steelers won the Super Bowl, something happened on the inside of me and I felt more empowered in life. How crazy is that? But it's how guys are wired up, man. We get involved in a cause, even if it's a trivial cause, with no real meaning in life. Somehow, if I can get involved in a cause, I I feel more significant. It's a very small list of causes we get involved in. Some are involved in sports. Some are involved in power. It's what makes our heart beat faster. It's what gets us out of bed every day. And so we go to work, to our work and we're going to conquer our work world and we're going to be more creative than other people and we're going to work longer and harder and smarter and more creatively than anybody else and we're going to climb the corporate ladder and with every raise and every promotion somehow we feel more empowered in life. We feel like our life is now more worth living because we are moving up on the power ladder. And we can just get consumed with that, many a guy is. For some of us, it's fitness. And we're going to be, yeah, you look at me and know that's not true, all right? But some of us go down to 24-hour fitness, and that's where we pay our homage. And, and we're going to run, and we're going to lift weights, and we're going to do all this stuff. And we're, we're going to, you know, we've got special clothes that we wear, and we've got haircut, uh, a certain way. We got all this stuff because it's about fitness or it's about power or it's about possessions. You know, for some of us, we don't have to go far to go to church. It's our garage because that's where the things are that we worship. And we protect them and we polish them. And we somehow think that if they gleam a little bit more and they function a little bit smoother, that somehow... We have found the answer to life. Not from a guilt standpoint at all. But just from a truth standpoint. I want us to understand whether male or female this morning. There's only one cause that's actually worthy of your life. Because no matter what it is. Whether it's power, there's a lot of people that about three quarters of the way up the power ladder got pink slipped in the last few months, right? Yeah. 
If it's a possession, that thing of beauty that hangs out in your garage that you drive ever so carefully and park way out on the edge of the parking lot so it never gets a door ding is going to be on somebody's junk heap someday. And the team that you think is absolutely wonderful today at some point will be a cellar dweller. Just ask the Yankees. Not quite in the cellar. They've been down for a number of years. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? That as fun as that stuff is, yes, I'm going to go home and watch golf this afternoon. Okay? I'll enjoy the U.S. Open. But you know what I realize? Can I tell you who won the Open two years ago? Probably not. I can look it up. But regardless of who won it, it didn't change the world. It didn't make anybody's life any more worth living. I want to talk to you this morning. Jesus says, it's only one cause that's worthy of your life. It's why you came to church. I'm glad you're here. And my challenge for all of us, whether male or female this morning, is to look at our lives and say, how vested am I in this one great eternal cause? Do I come and pay a little homage to it every Sunday morning and then it goes out of my life and, 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 and out of my consciousness really for the rest of the week and then I come back on the next Sunday? It, because that's not going to change your life or anybody else's. But when it starts to get down in here and it begins to be the reason that you get up and you live Monday in the context of eternity and in the context of God's great eternal cause and you live Tuesday in that context and Wednesday and Thursday, now, my friends, you are into an unselfish cause that will transform your life. And that's really what Jesus said. Here it is. Set aside your naturally selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. After I pray, the worship team is going to come and sing a song that sort of drives that point home. I hope it does for you. But right now, I just want to pray for you. Father, not just for the audience, but for me as well. Would you give us the ability, would you give us right now the strength and the fortitude and the courage to look at our lives and say, I want to lay it all down for the sake of the one and only cause that's worthy of my life, that I could be a warrior for Jesus, that I could live each day understanding that I represent His cause and understanding that in the end, only His cause will stand. Lord, we give us all the faith to live that way. I pray it in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.